<laughs> on the way to the studio here this afternoon at like two o'clock, I went through the kitchen and the oven was on. You're amazing. You started dinner already. <laughs> what are you making? It was, I was, it was lunch. I missed lunch. You, I uh, presumed, oh. hold on, we have to back up. Hold on a second. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like everybody and the mother has a podcast? Oh, oh, so I started a podcast with my mom. We wanted a theme song so you could sing along. The show, it starts now. I don't know if everyone knows that we're like <laughs> quarantining together in the desert. That's why there's a shared kitchen. It makes me sound like a game like downstairs. I, I know that we know that. We um, know this. We know this. I know this. I roasted eggplant for lunch, but it was a late lunch. Knowing you, you would have already eaten and there also is leftover. I thought you made the, um, uh, the green thing that's usually white. What is it called that you shave? Asparagus? No. Romanesco. The, the Romanesco. I thought you cooked, started the Romanesco for dinner. I uh, will be roasting Romanesco later, but no, it's, that only takes 40 minutes, maybe an hour. Tops. Oh, well, Less. the oven was on. You know, yeah, in my the, home, I don't usually have the oven on at two o'clock. Very I, impressive. I turned the oven on and I came and set, set up for this, and then I went back and prepped. I scored eggplant and did a little marinade and then I put it in and then finished this. Then went back and finished that and, and here we are. And here we are. Because um, if I don't eat, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm aware of this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> You're Thank talking you. to them though. Welcome to the show. I was talking to you too. I know. So I, uh, without, without breaking the fourth wall, I see a, a plethora of notes strewn about, and I'm curious what you've got in your mind today. Well, usually, well, um, last year when we did the podcast, it was all um, audio. Mm -hmm. So I had all kinds of notes, and I could look at my phone, and, and here we are. I'm totally exposed. <laughs> so yeah. I wrote a couple thoughts down. Video does definitely change it, but you know, what are you going to do? The important thing to remember... <laughs> Is no one cares. <laughs> this I'm aware. I actually am aware of. Um, so something funny comes to mind. We have the Roomba that vacuums and washes the floor here. Robots are working for us. I call them the droids, and it's amazing. Um, <laughs> so I heard this thing whirring, whirring when I went into my studio the other day, mm -hmm. and all the lights were out. Like in the room, there is dark. I turned on the light for it, and then I realized I didn't have to do that. Yeah, robots don't care. It's very, it's it's everything so disconcerting and so out of balance these days. I think I was like turning on, but I talked to it, and I say, you know, you did a really good job. You missed over there. I also was talking <laughs> to the robot. Uh, I got called out, and girlfriend's like, "So you're in the you're in the phase of quarantine." where you're holding a glass of red wine and yelling at the the robot, the vacuum. Oh, that's great. And I was like, so I am, so I am. <laughs> you know, the, uh, I don't think that's, I don't think that's abnormal and I don't okay. care if it is. I thought that 
these droid robot vacuums would be, you know, a bunch of hype and you have to go follow it or, you know, they're, it's incredible. It's, it's great. It's incredible. It's really great. I think that there are like complexes. uh, I can check this. Uh, I think like Amazon and other warehouse facilities that are like largely roboticized are in the dark. I, I think I saw that online. That's true. If it was online, it must be true. But it's great. I mean, it's really great. And I, I do talk to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... I, 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 have, I have a question for you unrelated to this that popped into my mind uh, yesterday morning. I woke up and I remembered, I remembered something that I had just totally filed away. Don't you find that things pop into your mind now since we're in quarantine? Yeah. I think like it, from all kinds of places and dates and yeah, times? Yeah, I do. I think it has largely to do with the idea that I'm not making any new memories. And so I need to sort of go backwards and contextualize the ones I've already made and, and wonder if, if new, new experiences will be coming. And then that's set against the backdrop of watching people, you know, just go to lunch and travel for vacation. So that's But that's you cool. went out in the car one day. <laughs> you go to a drive-through pharmacy. That was a new memory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this memory is from sixth grade. And as I'm telling you this story now, and as I realize, okay, let me start from the beginning. It's more of a question. Do you remember when I was in sixth grade, I would have been 12 years old, 13 maybe, and there was a choir recital through school? And all the kids were asked to dress a certain way for this performance. Do you have any memory of this? Can I have more info? It was sixth grade. I went to Abington Friends. It was a, a Quaker Friends school in the Philadelphia area. The one and only year I went there. No, I don't remember. And I don't remember the, the choir director's name. I remember he had a mustache and he was like. He'll probably call you now. He doesn't have my address. That dude doesn't know it. That's. I would say he doesn't remember me, but let me tell you this story. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, I come, well, I'm not sure what you're grinning about. You don't yeah. know, do you know what I'm talking about or not? No. All right. I want to tell me when anything, is, tell me the second something is familiar. Uh, there was a choir recital, and I came home uh, to, from school, and I said, the choir recital is next, I don't know, Thursday, let's say. And we're all being asked to dress in a certain way. Did I go to the recital? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow. And we're all being asked to dress a certain way. And I think it's going to require buying a new item of clothing or two. And you said, no problem. What? Which is very nice of you. I realize that a lot of people don't get an answer of no problem. It's no or ask your sibling or figure it out or get a job or something. I mean, it was it's okay. I did get a job shortly after that. It's okay. So... I said it might require an item or two of new clothing. And you said, no problem. What What are the instructions? And I said, Mr. Give him a name. Smith. Mr. Smith. Smith. So I said, uh, Mr. Smith wants us to dress in uh, black shirts and white pants. And you said. Why white pants? Nobody has white pants. You said, I think in my memory. Okay. And we got me, we got me white pants. I like that. We got me. Is that the right sentence? I got you. Okay. We got me white pants. And I guess I had a black shirt. And so flash forward the next week, I'm 12, 13 years old. Keep in mind that, as I mentioned, this school was, I was only there for sixth grade. 
So I knew nobody. Every other classmate had gone to school with each other since kindergarten. They were, you know, 12, 13. They were all very close. It was a, it was a great educational moment, but it was not a good social experience at all for me. <laughs> As opposed to when I went back to public school. <laughs> that was even worse. So I... Uh, show up at this place and I'm on a regular day I'm already feeling a little alienated what did I say people say I show up but they meant I showed up maybe they mean like I show up for you I know in this instance I showed up Uh, hold on my eyes are stuck (laughs) okay (laughs) I showed up I showed up uh, wearing a black shirt and white pants and no one else did well they all have black and white except they had the normal thing that you would think of, which is black pants and a white shirt. Like 35 of their you kids. You mixed it? Yeah. Well, that's that's that was the memory. That was this flash into my well, mind. Well, that's cool. You were different. You were like the guy. Yeah, I mean, you what, were like, everybody looked at you. Yeah, what 12-year-old outsider wouldn't want to not fit in physically as well as emotionally in front of an audience to perform? <laughs> it was not a good feeling. You were uh, like the lead. So I wasn't the lead. It was you chorus. had white pants and a black shirt. Oh my god! Artiste thought outside the box. So I'm thinking about this over the last day or so, and I have a couple of questions. The first was, do you remember this? Nothing of it. Not one. Not a bit. Okay. So my other, my second question, which is less about you and more about me. <laughs> Why would you let me do that? <laughs> Why wouldn't you say, are you triple sure it's not black pants and a white shirt? <laughs> Didn't even occur to you, right? I, I'm asking you to tell me what you were thinking on a thing you don't remember. Hypothetically, yeah. maybe I did. Maybe you did challenge it. Maybe I pushed back. And then, yeah. And then the third thing. There was me, no online. We would have had to have made a phone call to somebody. But that would say that I didn't trust your information. And I trusted you implicitly always from the time you were an infant. Mm. So I know that sounds funny, but it's there's there's a priori reason for this. This this what reason? I trusted you implicitly. If you said this what it was what it was, I depended on you. I appreciate that. And I'm not looking for like blame placing. It's more like the third thing, which is at what point did I hear the information? I could tell you m- movie dialogue from a movie I saw when I was 11 years old. Now, in what part of my brain of feeling like an outsider did I process the very f- clear information that 35 other people heard clearly? I don't know. And I Do you know any it. of them? Could you call them? I flipped it. I don't know any of them. There Do was, you know any of them? There was one girl, now a woman, there was a girl in the class named Jocelyn. Are we cursing on this show? I don't know. You can always edit it. It's if part you don't of the story. Like I'm going to tell you the story as is, and we can bleep it a out. A lot of my thoughts have curses. I was wondering the same thing. Uh, I'm going to try not to, but I feel like this story. Just don't go with you know really heavy duty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's messed up is I know exactly which words she's talking about. <laughs> you think you know which words, and you're right on like two or three of them, but a couple of them would be like, why? But don't say them. Uh, there. <laughs> There was a, a girl called Jocelyn, and um, she was quite mean to me. Was she very tall? No. Sorry, I'm out. She was quite mean, and I was only there for sixth grade, as I've mentioned a number of times, so I never saw those people again after I was 12 or 13 years old. Flash forward five or six years, 
and I go to college on my first day of college in the dorm. I'm moving into the dorm. You're Jocelyn? And I walk out of my room and two doors down is an open door with some girls moving in and Jocelyn's right <laughs> I there. I love that. I don't know that either. She turns you around. You things you've never told me. She turns around. Imagine <laughs> what that. What did she say? She turns around with standing next to her now new roommates. I'm assuming friends, but maybe she just met them. And I'm standing with a few people. Her mouth drops. Her color escapes her face. And she goes, Ricky Sorkin, <laughs> what are you doing here? In my life. <laughs> what are you doing here? And I said, um, wow, Jocelyn, I don't know, going to college like you? I guess we're neighbors. Bye. And like close the Good door. Good for you. What uh, happened to her? Oh, it's a sad story. You're making that point. Yeah, up. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. That's kind of funny. Her dad owned um, a car dealership in our neighborhood. Don't say it out loud. But Oh. Yeah. She got a car when she was 14 years Aww. old. 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another one at 15. Okay. And then at 16, she got her driver's license and didn't <laughs> like those cars, so started over. Okay. So, um, Jocelyn, we'd love to hear from you. I want to know what happened to you. <laughs> she grew up to become Kellyanne Conway. Social worker? No. <laughs> Therapist? No, I don't think so. I'm sorry about this trauma, and I'm interested to see what happened to Jocelyn. I have a mean girl story. Sharon and I were... Um, on the beach one day at LBI, maybe even in the water. It You're was like Sharon. one of three, my friend Sharon, one of three times that we were, I was in the water there. And there were two <laughs> gals about our age. We started talking with them. And we got along well. And I thought, oh, how nice, neighbors. I could get to meet them. And we said some, somehow the topic of mean girls came up. And Sharon looked at me and said, geez, we had a lot of mean girls in high school. I said, I know, you know girls and the other two started giggling and i said what's so funny she said we're the mean girls in our high school and then they walked away Ew. i mean i was like 50 in my 50s i mean this was like unbelievable and they're proud of it things never change that was her identity they owned it thank you for thank you for saving me a lot of angst it's amazing and and the 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 mind games like boys generally if they don't like you will will, pu hit will you? push you'll push you to the ground and they'll, they'll punch you in the face <laughs> at any or age or they'll steal your thing wait at any age yeah they'll, they'll steal, steal your, your girlfriend, girlfriend or your, oh i key, got that one <laughs> they'll, they'll key your car they'll i had a guy uh uh who was a a, a a collaborator for a very brief period of time and it didn't end well and i calmly detached and it was a nice sort of i thought civil whatever and a week and a half later in the mail i got a box unmarked no return address and it, it was a like a gift box inside of a other box a large box small box gift box open and it was a um something dead candy shaped penis and let me just tell you the story and on what? the I thought that was the story. And on the box, the top of it said eat a dick. And I saw this and I was like, oh, that's cool. There's like a company that does this. Like there's a resource. Well, I'm not surprised that, that will that. send uh, you know, an anonymized But why would somebody take the the time and trouble and expense to send that um well this particular person had once told me a story about a breakup that he had and his ex then newly ex-girlfriend sent him like all these things to his house 
and somehow charged his card with it because it was still like their shared Amazon account. So he got like $500 in like adult diapers and like um, a bunch of other like incontinence products and like a, I think a case of tampons to his house. Oh, well, that I, that I can understand. So I already knew there was precedent for this person knowing about anonymous revenge sending things. And the the um, <laughs> the biggest sort of point was not like who took the time and why would your brain work that way and who hurt you and what's wrong with you and how dare you. And if you review what actually happened with the dissolution of our brief creative endeavor actually wasn't that big of a deal and you're being a, a real, real whiny person about he this. He was in love with you? I actually hadn't considered that. I mean, why would he get so angry at you? You have a right, I mean. Well, I think it's more about like, uh, like selfish behavior, self-involved behavior, where like the horror that some, I'm, I'm him in this situation, the horror that someone could not want to work with me for free and just be beaten up verbally about how I want it done. How dare they not want to be close to this? It's, a, it's, a, it's like an ego presumption. I'm trying to figure out who it was. But here's the real takeaway. I opened it and I said to myself, oh, this is 100% so-and-so. It wasn't even, I didn't even think for a second that it would be somebody else. Okay. Because I don't live my life with enemies in a way that they're trying to enact revenge. This is not how I live my life. And I realized in that, that like flash of confirming, you know, uh, or semi-confirming who it was in my mind, I went, wow, he lives his life in a fashion where if he received this, he wouldn't know who it's from. Because there'd be so many possibilities. That's a good thought. That's crazy, though. I mean, that's really crazy. You're not talking about college age. You're talking about Oh, this is like three adult. years ago. And then during the pandemic, when, it when the pandemic started, about a month or two into the pandemic, I did hear from him. And it was a, a, a text. Really? It was a text like, you know, I hope you're doing well. We really had some good times, didn't we? Something, something. Are you serious? I am serious. If it's who I think it it was, I also it's miss. Not. I also miss his his partner. Oh, it's not. We're not. I'm not trying to confuse our audience with abstracts. It's, They're just eavesdropping. They're not going to know everything. It's this person's partner. You never knew. Okay, um, so I don't know who it was. And then the text was sort of like, hey, it sure was nice making making art for a little bit of time with you. I hope you're, you know, sur surviving, thriving in the pandemic. Well, I, what do you take from that? I take that he realized he shouldn't have done that. Yes. In which case he should have written. And he lost somebody who was a good person. And there's not always good people around in life. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and I, and that could have been in the message. It could have said something like, and I wish I handled myself differently. At the but end he didn't. So I wrote my first draft text, which I did not send, was so great to hear from you. I hope you're well, too. Um, I'm actually getting rid of this number. Please, in the future, write me at my home address. I know you have it. Just referencing this gift that he sent me. But instead, I wrote, um, nice to hear from you. We did make some good stuff for a brief period of time. Hope you're well. Best. Oh, send. I'm sorry you went through that. That's horrible. It's uh, it's not that horrible. It's like this. Okay, it's horrible. Is it horrible? Well, for somebody to attack you like that, that sucks. It did feel like in my house. Like, who are you? So who are you? angry. angry. Well, he's an angry, so he's an angry, angry. person. Yeah, you know, if you're angry at someone, call them up and say, 
really angry at you, and this is why you hurt me. Oh, that didn't work either. I tried that once. Never mind. No, seven I and tried that once, and the reaction was so horrible. People's is people's. What do I know? No. So uh, I think that was all I had to say about that black and white shirt situation. Wow. I realize right now I'm wearing a white top and, and black <laughs> pants, which is why I started smiling when I started telling the story. That's I forgot so about funny. that. I, I put my white pants on the other day and I I have to admit they didn't feel very comfortable so that I'm not wearing white pants. Putting putting one's white pants on after not having worn one's white pants for a while is a really not great experience for anybody. I just presumed they would fit. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you were at that recital in would have been like 1991 or 92... And you have a photograph of 35 kids wearing black pants and a white shirt with me wearing a black shirt and white pants. I'd like to see that. Can I tell you the only image that comes up for me is, is I can't think of, I can't think of the actor's name. I hate that. Robert Redford, John C. Riley. Oh, Willem Dafoe. No, no, comedian, um, father of the bride. Oh, Steve Martin. So maybe it was Steve Martin. Sorry, maybe not. But they're in a, watching a recital for their kid, and the kid, like, on stage goes crazy. And maybe it was parenthood, parenthood. Throws off his costume and, like, breaks all the stuff. <laughs> and everybody's running around crying and the teacher runs on the stage <laughs> he ruins the whole thing and the audience just starts laughing and he's like crying and his wife is like it's okay they're five years old it's okay sorry i misquoted that terribly but that's what's in my mind when you tell me this story of the black and white pants well it's a good point because it doesn't matter right i can't i can't even <laughs> i can't even tell you what songs we sang i'm embarrassed i couldn't quote it, that correctly it was the choir chorus i couldn't even tell you what songs we sang all I remember is that part of the experience. I remember that you were you were plucked out of maybe middle school, junior high. Elementary school. Elementary school to be one of the Von Trapp, Trapp children <clears throat> at, Von in Trapp. the high school production of The Sound of Music. I still have the t And you were on stage with all these like 18-year-old kids. Well, I got to go. I, I was in fourth. It was amazing. I was in fourth grade, and I got to I was I got to leave school, like leave the grounds, leave school, like four, three or four or five days a week for like six or eight weeks for rehearsal to go to rehearsal. And I was how come you didn't go into acting? You did really well in that. I don't know how come you didn't go into acting. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a possibility. <laughs> you distinct. I have a distinct memory of you telling me, you and my dad saying like. If you want to pursue this, you can, but we really um, are not on board with driving into New York every weekend. And the life of child actors is fraught with fraud and drug abuse. And it's a hard thing. Do you want this really hard thing? I was like, oh, that sounds hard. No, I believe that. I don't remember a lot of your childhood memories, but I, I, also, <clears throat> I support them. <laughs> you know, I'd say for everyone who had a, a great moment in high school or middle or elementary school with, with the theater, didn't go into acting. It's like, Go to the, go to the Greyhound station at in L.A. every day. There's 200 people who had a really good moment in the Sound of Music and their regional version of it. So putting that aside, I have it has popped into my mind. Like <laughs> things sure just popped into my mind. Now. 
Um, a thought of, let me bring you to current day. When I wake up, I have a, I have a routine that I do. I have a certain routine that I do it, pardon me, in the morning. And then I exercise, do certain exercises that trainer Anthony has given me. Um, I go on a walk later in the day, often don't get to that. But I have a certain routine of things I do. I paint, I turn on music early in the morning in my studio, in my bedroom. And I always have a list. I prioritize because I can't get to everything. And I felt annoyed that I was leaving so much behind important things. Mm -hmm. So I have a routine, but I never get through the routine. Somehow I get into la la land with either like I work out and then I say, you know, I could lift weights or I haven't done any planks forever. And then I'll go to eat breakfast and then maybe I'll go to paint. And instead of painting, I'll start doing something else. And it occurred to me the other day, I remember, I remember an elementary school teacher having a meeting with my parents and saying, you know, of course I was a good student and I got good grades and I did well and blah, blah, blah. And saying, Sharon has difficulty changing activities. I thought, I'm like 68 years old and I still can't change activities properly. It's true. Well, it sounds like you're changing many activities it's in just that schedule. Part, no, but the bottom of the schedule just falls off because I never get to it because I don't uh, stay on schedule. And I realize I don't stay on schedule. I don't know where I'm going to go with that. But it was interesting to remember this teacher, probably mm. my fourth grade teacher, telling my parents, probably my mother at the meeting, Sharon doesn't doesn't do well changing activities. I have to tell you, when I start a painting, when I'm in class with people and everybody starts a new painting, let's say first day of class, abstract art, abstract acrylic painting. Well, I have one friend that can do three paintings in a session and they're great. It's not like, oh, three paintings. I mean, they're really good, <clears throat> pardon me, um, in that they're original, they're interesting, they're, they're well done. I like the mind sees. I like to stand and look at it and think about it and try it. And if I get like some paint on the canvas in the first session, that's a success. I have stuff that I've worked on for many, many months. I like that. I'm happy with that. I like doing that. Mm -hmm. I can't keep to a schedule. I managed to show up for meals pretty much. <laughs> I mean, and my you are workspace retired. is neat. You're retired, which is pretty conducive and for I, not being on a schedule. Because if you had to be somewhere at a certain time, that'd be that'd be uh, challenging. But even as a young person, so you know that that's an interesting conversation. But when I thought about, oh yeah, she, yeah, she's right. I'm not good at changing activities. <laughs> what are you gonna do with the rest of your day? Um. I didn't paint this morning. Usually on Saturday morning at, at 10 o'clock, I turn on opera from the Met and I paint and I didn't do that. So, nice. so I think this afternoon I'll, I'll paint. I have a, a painting that I started that has one little swatch of paint on it. Nice. And I think I'm ready to go forward. Excellent. And, um, and I should take, I should, and I, I might take a walk. Mm. You know, I wish I could tell you, I was just going to go in and watch TV. <laughs> Why? Because I can, but I don't. 
Maybe I should watch TV. Do you remember what would happen to TV at like 10 o'clock at night in the 80s and and before 11 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning? What time was it? Uh, After the late, late show. The two, probably one or two. I don't know, maybe two. Tell them what happened. Um, The TV would have a circle, a a um, picture of a circle (laughs) and they'd go and a buzzing noise that said we were there off the air they for would, the night. Would That's they play how first? Old I am. What did they play first? Oh my goodness. How did you know I would remember that? The Star Spangled Banner. They would. We've never talked about this. Well, it was, uh, no, it's not. And then TV would be off. There'd be no television. Because you had to go to sleep. Because you had to go to sleep. But no TV is off. There was the late show and the late, late show. And one night, I think I was. <laughs> 11 years old. Turn the TV off. My mother came in and woke me out of a sound sleep. I think it was 11 o'clock at night. And she woke me up. She said, Sharon, wake up. I said, why? What time is it? Whatever. She said, there's a movie that's my favorite movie. And you have to wake up and see this. I want to watch this with you. She said, it's called The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm. And when I saw it in the movie theater, I don't know how many years before, it made such an impression, I want you to see this. Mm. And I put on my robe and I went downstairs and we watched The Late Late Show. What, I don't know if it was at midnight or whatever. Probably 11. Maybe. Or 11.30 after the news. And we watched a movie in the middle of the night. Because there was no way to watch a movie. There was no well, there was no other way to no ever way. watch that movie. How about, do you and remember? And then yeah. the turn, the other side of the coin, when I was 15. When I was 15. We, we rented a house in Moorgate, New Jersey. And I was watching TV. And a, I don't know if it was a late show. Who knows? It was late at night and a new movie was about to start. Not new. A movie was supposed was about to start called the bad seed. Oh. And I snuggled in to watch it. And in about 20 minutes, my father came downstairs and said, hi. I said, hi, what are you doing up? I said, I thought it would be fun to watch a movie in the middle of the night. He said, I know this movie. He said, I think you should go to sleep now. It's too late for you to be up. And I said, okay. And I went upstairs. I don't know why I was so complacent, but I went upstairs and years later when I saw the bad seed, I realized it was because it was what he thought it would frighten me. And it was not, maybe I could watch it during the day with somebody, but you couldn't call up a movie. It Mm. happened to be on then. And um, I actually think that he was right. It was not something to watch and certainly not something to watch at bedtime for a kid. But it's interesting. I have those two watch, don't watch TV thoughts. Well, I also have, that's, I can't, I can't say for sure that I've ever heard you tell a story where the the core of it was him looking out for you. Um, actually, he, I every conversation I ever remember having with him was his looking out for me. Mm. That's why it's so odd. He just totally disappeared on me. Mm. Yeah, I learned some of my important life mm. defense things from him. Mm. So... Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. TV used to go off and then it would come back on in the morning. Uh, Do you remember being somewhere 
and having to drive somewhere at a certain time in order to get there before something started. You mean a movie theater? Or a home, like you wanted to go a movie at 10 o'clock or a, a sitcom at 8 o'clock. Like, it's really good to see you guys. I have to go. That show starts in 35 minutes. No, where would I be other than home at 8 o'clock <laughs> at night? <laughs> and, and on Sunday night, my father commandeered the TV. On Sunday night, we watched, I want to say Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke and... Oh, Bonanza. This, this Bonanza, the three sons. And I always said, you know, they don't really look like they're related, which is fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. And I honor that now, and I love that. And it was never mentioned. You could have gone to the casting. They were... <laughs> each of the three sons had, a, had a, a different color skin and a different persona and when you think about it that was really amazing at the time i was just like i don't know he doesn't look like he's part of the family uh before i forget and it will never come up again that sound of music three things one is um i would go to the high school and you know as a child but there were kids like dating and there's gossip and this one's crying and this one's wearing a football outfit like the whole thing was mind-blowing <laughs> It's like they, they like kiss each other. It was like it was, and I thought they were the most mature. Adult. They were sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old kids. They were children also, <laughs> but I was, you know, nine. I was cast as Kurt von Trapp, and the Sound of Music. The von Trapp children are all in size and age order, and it's important for the choreography that they remain so. And in the whatever six or twelve weeks from being cast to the actual performance, I had a growth spurt, and so I wasn't in size order by the time the curtain opened on opening night. I was taller than the, oh, than the no. older kid to my right. Oh, no. Adieu, adieu, do, 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 do. And the third thing is um, I still have the T-shirt from that uh, show. I wore it two days ago. It used to swim on me, and now it's one of my favorite shirts. I love that. I have some old shirts that I don't wear that sit in the closet with me. Uh, the cast and crew, are, their names are on the back of the shirt. So if you look carefully, you can scroll down and see Ricky Sorkin. I love that, Ricky Sorkin. Ricky Sorkin. We should talk about that again. There's some Ricky Sorkin stories. Ricky effing Sorkin. What are you doing oh, here? The day of Rick's <laughs> bar mitzvah, and he did a great job. That's when I became a man. And the canner stood back. Took his hand off his shoulder, stood back, and let Rick do the whole mm. part in Hebrew by himself. Big honor. And <laughs> afterward, when he was, I think, breaking the bread, he said, I have an announcement to make. Today I am a man. I am no longer Ricky Sorkin. You may now call me Rick Sorkin. And that was it. And it worked. Except for Manowar. And my brother, occasionally. Manowar. <laughs> and your brother, my uncle. But basically, everyone else I know. Joanna still calls me every month. She calls you Ricky. So four people out of however many that were there. Uh, and it, it was, it, I rebranded and everyone just went, okay. <laughs> there were no profile photos to update or, uh, you know, URLs to change. <laughs> or I was just like, I'm Rick now. I'll deal with it. <laughs> Think about that. Old times, good times, new times. All right. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and uh, don't forget to call your mother. Doesn't it seem?